Hey, everybody. This is Jamin, host of the Happy Market Research Podcast. In conjunction with MR Web, I've had the honor of interviewing three of the leading custom panel companies. This is one of those three episodes. If you're not currently subscribed to MR Web, I just can't recommend another resource. He gives you a daily update on happenings, whether it's HR, M&A, technology releases, companies going out of business, companies starting. I mean, there is not a single point of truth that I found to be more consistent and reliable than MR Web. So check them out. They're great. And I hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is sponsored by G3 Translate. The G3 Translate team offers unparalleled expertise in foreign language translations for market researchers and insight professionals across the globe. Not only do they speak hundreds of languages, they are fluent in probably the most difficult one, market research. For more information, please visit them at g3translate.com. Hi, I'm Jamin Brazil. And you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Graham Lawrence, Chief Client Officer at Join the Dots. Established in 1998, Join the Dots is a global consumer insights agency that helps companies make better business decisions through a deeper understanding of people. Prior to joining Join the Dots, Graham served as head of sales for several leading firms, most notably Harris Interactive. Graham, thanks very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Uh, nice to join you. Really, really excited by having a chat. It is an honor to have you on the show. I've been following the merger or acquisition. We'll get into what that looks like more specifically in just a in just a little bit. But I like to start off with creating a little bit of context for our audience. Tell us about your parents and how they informed what you do today. Well, my mom and dad, Norman and Rena Lawrence, uh, were sort of born in Edinburgh. Um, in the in wartime in second war, world war times and uh, you know they had a fairly tough upbringing actually um in edinburgh scotland and uh, from quite a working class background and my dad left school at 15 and went into printing as an apprentice and stayed there his whole his whole career but then was kind of hugely successful i i guess after a, i don't know maybe into his mid-30s something like that uh, and became quite a key business leader in, in, in a couple of good companies. Actually, one of them became part of, uh, got bought into the St. Ives Group, which I know a number of people in marketing will know. So yeah, I mean, I guess when I got, when I was brought up, my dad was uh, kind of had that aspiration of kind of learning that he maybe didn't have and wanted me to go to university and all that. But he was a little bit pressured on me being uh, an accountant and wanted me to be a money guy. Um, I don't know, it just didn't kind of feel like me. Um, I kind of fell into market research and marketing, which I know a number of a number of colleagues and, and friends in the industry have done as well uh, over the years. And I guess he hasn't really kind of, for a number of years, didn't really understand what I did, I don't think, and we didn't really have much of a relationship on it. But I guess it's only been in the last five, 10 years where we've ended up kind of coming together to talk about running businesses, because that's what he ended up doing in the printing world. Uh, and I guess that's what I've ended up doing with uh, being a kind of a, a co-owner of, uh, of Join the Dots and somebody who went through a management buyout and buying out the original founders of Join the Dots, etc. So I, it's only been lastly that I think we've probably had some things in common around the business side of things um, once he got over the fact that I wasn't a chartered accountant. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but great people, and I'm fortunate that both of them are still with me. Um, 
you know, they're old and grey now, but they're doing good. And uh, they're always inquisitive and, under, you know, looking to understand a little bit about where the whole marketing and the branding and, the, you know, they kind of sort of try and get into that a little bit now more, more recently. I just turned materially grey in the last 24 months. I'm terrified. Like, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen in another 24 months. I was just reminiscing with my wife on that point. I think that, you know, you definitely earn the, you know, getting older as a male and having some sort of connection with your father and him being able to provide some sort of value in to your business. That can be a material point of bonding, right? Between the two of you. I'm interested though, is there a specific piece of advice or some sort of value that he contributed that helped you along to this creating a successful outcome? We've always had a love of football, soccer, I believe you guys call it. Um, we've always had a love of football together. And I guess teamwork has always been something that we've always spoken about. And I always was kind of interested when he was talking about how he ran the business, the printing businesses that he ran about the right people being involved at the right time yeah. uh, uh, overall uh, and that being a key component of everything. Uh, and that is something we've definitely worked very hard on at Join the Dots around having the right people in combinations. I'm a, I'm a great believer in bringing together strengths of different people within an organisation is the right way forward. Right. Uh, you know, for those people that know Quentin Ashby, who is uh, CEO of Join the Dots, him and I are very, very different guys, but the combination of us has been something that's been really powerful, I think, over the years. So, yeah, I guess that teamwork thing uh, yeah. was a big thing and a sense of kind of, I guess, a sense of loyalty through that teamwork uh, aspect as well. There is something to fighting in the trenches, using the wartime analogies, that creates a profound bond throughout the organization. It's actually a really, really powerful way to concatenize, I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but join the, you know, these like brothers and or people in arms, excuse me from a, right? So yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, let's get into, you guys have had a lot of news, <laughs> right? A lot of news. So January, 2019, earlier this year, you launched the Insight ecosystem. Yeah. I'm dying to know, tell me about the Insight ecosystem. What has that brought to the market? I think for us, about this time last year, we were really feeling like we're an online research community business primarily. So I don't really like the acronym MROCs, but I'll live with it for the sake of people understanding what it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, pr principally that the bulk of our work has been in, in research communities uh, since about uh, when we first started out in them around probably 2000 and 2008, 2009. And these are long-term sort of structured ongoing communities on behalf of clients as a full service agency. And um, I guess the, the sort of coming out with a sort of a relaunch at the beginning of, uh, of 2019 under this kind of banner of Insight Ecosystem was, was a little bit of a response to how we feel that the research community market is changing uh, and has changed and needs to change on behalf of clients. Look, if I tell the story of what I think happened in the MROC research community market, 2008, 2009, 2010, that kind of period was the, the sort of early innovators in that space, some of them coming from more of a panel side of things, some of them maybe being slightly more qualitative, but those that had sort of put, I guess, kind of back to methodology of 
an opt-in sample working on an ongoing basis on behalf of a client. And we put our chips down on the table at that time around that. And it was hugely exciting around the aspect of, you know, it was the web 2.0 time. It was research 2.0. It's participative. It's collaborative. It's working with consumers. It's not, you know, the, a lot of what I was doing on the conference stand there was old research was parent to child. This research is adult to adult. You know, it, it, this was a kind of a hugely collaborative embracing the times, if you like. Now, what happened here, I guess globally, uh, certainly what happened here in Europe around 2011-12 with the, ma- the, with the banks crashing and the markets going, you know, belly up, um, was that the nature of these research communities got shunted, um, got moved, which was really disappointing in many respects because it got moved very much more to a, a speed and a price aspect rather than a quality of methodology that collaborated with consumers really disappointed me. And when I look back on it, I still find there's still a bit of me kind of finds it a bit upsetting, Hmm. but I guess that's what happened. And it went a bit kind of very much into the ask questions quickly, get responses. And can you do that for me quite cheap? Because I can't afford much more because the markets, you know, we haven't got the budgets, et cetera, from the client side. And I think we went through quite a, a number of years that that had such a big influence on the market that clients were playing it that way. We re-emerged from that, I would say, sort of 2014-15 onwards. But I don't think we ever quite got the excitement or buzz around the way we had maybe in that kind of participative research 2.0 space that, that had existed, if you like. And this, us launching the Insight ecosystem was almost like sort of trying to regenerate that uh, in a way because we wanted to say, look, let's get away from thinking that the answer to all of our clients' problems lies in asking questions. And our methodologies and our tools that we use are way beyond that uh, and come in different, give different shapes and sizes and guises around that. And our, the launch of our Insight ecosystem was really around this kind of mantra about asking, listening and observing being the key way forward. And we very much put that kind of out there as our thinking around how communities should be viewed and should work in a way to say, look, you're not going to get great insight and you're not going to get great commerciality from just asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. They're not the best observers of their own behavior, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the, the, all the stuff that we know from the, the behavioral science. Um, so it was us kind of going, repackaging and going back out there with trying to sort of energize clients thinking around what a structured ongoing community can be about in a way to highlight that it's got an ecosystem's got a number of different tools that you can combine. Dare so, I say it, join the dots, you know? Yeah, right. When you think about the value prop, obviously it sounds like it's one part building a real connection with the community as opposed to more of a speed or efficiency cost savings point of view. And then the other part of it that I hear you saying is it's centric to incorporating new methodologies or tools into the data collection. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that right? Or In this period, the, the last three or four years, we've known that when we've been at our best, we can provide a combination between speed, price, and quality. You know, and it's a trilemma that, you know, the whole kind of... Yeah, the three-legged stool. You got exactly, the tension. Yeah. Exactly. Can you, can you live in that tension? And 
Well, one, I don't, one, I think at the end of the day that we have to live in that tension because if you're going to be a successful insight supplier... Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to be there. Lenny Murphy, every grit report that he produces, he continues to come down with the fact that at the end of the day, it's, you know, innovation is driving those three things. Yeah. And, you know, and, it's, and as you say, it's, it's driving innovations being driven in that way, regardless of whether it's uh, research innovation, you know, is, is innovation in, in the kind of commercial world as a whole. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was it, it was a, re, a, a way of of re, uh, reframing that to say, look, it can be done. Sometimes we'll do it quick. Sometimes we'll ask questions quickly. Sometimes we'll make quick observations on client on, on consumer behavior and that'll be nice and cheap for you. But sometimes we'll, you know, we will actually take a bit longer over this to bring a bit of quality into it. We'll be more immersive. Yeah. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do more observational work. Uh, we'll have various stage gates. How big are the communities that you manage for companies? What's the range? Small and big. Yeah, we've we've sort of honed in on a kind of a, it depends on the, the, on the nature of the client. Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. if you're a one brand, uh, one market, yeah. sort of service provider, say, uh, you know, we will potentially be working with two or 3,000 people who are, we are getting responses which vary between 30 to 50 people on something that's in-depth and immersive through to a couple of hundred people uh, on something that might be a kind of a more survey-based, asking-based uh, dynamic. Um, Got it. And that's, that's the kind of size that we kind of kind of play in. But we have we, they do vary. We've got some much more small, intense ones, and we've got a few bigger ones that because they're multi-category, multi-brand, so, but it's that kind of territory that we play in. On July 2nd this year, so just a few months later, Insights Consulting announced its acquisition of Join the Dots. That was a big deal in the space. Tell us what in the world, what was the thesis? Yeah, I mean, I think we've known each other for a long time. Okay. Uh, you know, we... Uh, Sort of, you mentioned grit, fellow gritless people. Um, I'm heavily involved with SMR. You know, people like Niels uh, has been SMR president recently. You know, we, we've we've seen each other on the conference stand. As agencies, we both feel we've given back a fair amount in terms of bringing clients to the conference stand and showing case studies and highlighting our innovations in such a way that we think it helps everybody move forward. You're ultimately, in the first instance, there was a contextual backdrop of like-minded agencies. And like-minded agencies with a slightly different global footprint, with them being really strong in Western Europe, us being strong in UK and Asia, uh, them not being in Asia. So there was a kind of global footprint. But the, the, the interesting part as well, which uh, in terms of client situation, our largest clients weren't theirs and vice right. versa. So there was a really nice, yeah. a, a neat fit there. And um, more importantly, a very similar outlook when it comes to communities and the importance of ongoing online communities, structured, structured programs, um, similar tools, but some us having some that they don't have them having some that we don't have in, in terms of some nuances. So just a, a kind of a really, uh, a nice fit overall to be a situation where we feel we can, you know, have a situation where we can be a scale proposition for global brands. You know, we both work for big global brands. We're both working multinationally, uh, and, that, you know, we are only whatever we are, six, eight weeks after deal or whatever, but <laughs> it's, it's beginning to, you know, we're getting some really interesting signs already about how that's beginning to play out. So it sounds like the one plus one equals three scenario here is you've got little overlap on geography. So in other words, you're growing the global footprint, 
you've got complementary customers, so you're not, you know, uh, there's no cannibalization happening there. And you have complementary technologies in many cases. Both of you have done consulting, right? Do consulting for your customers. So it's not just a strict technology platform, you know, use it and then use somebody else to do the consulting. Are the consulting services also like complementary or are they very similar in, I guess a real question that I'm trying to get to is like, has the value prop, obviously it's expanded because you've got broader reach immediately. Uh, and then also obviously on the technology side, there's, there's some benefit, but is the consulting also bringing an additive benefit to the customer base? Yeah, massively. Well, the, you know, we've got big hopes for it on that part. I think I would give you a couple of examples which would kind of maybe help you kind of see that is we talked about us launching this this sort of ecosystem around Ask, Listen, Observe. Um, that wasn't something that they were doing in terms of a framing exercise for their clients. Um, so we were doing, a, I guess we were doing a research methodological framing uh, mechanism there. Um, and interestingly, Insights, um, you know, we're doing a lot more framing around uh, understanding uh, things like uh, kind of key specific areas like branding or innovation on behalf of their clients that we were doing a lot of work on, but we didn't necessarily have the proposition kind of framed that way uh, or necessarily kind of put out to market in that in the same way. So there's a real, there's a really interesting kind of uh, bringing together of some nice consultative minds who are methodological stroke category stroke we were heavily kind of invested in our sectors in terms of our client sectors and understanding sectors one of our big dots and the dot joining of the dots was the culture and trends unit that we've got we've got a team of 10 uh, that have always been looking we've had in place for about four or five years now uh, looking at secondary information secondary data look desk research for the for the common times if you like for the common digital age and um, those guys had sort of done a bit of that, but they hadn't, didn't have it, you know, Insights didn't have it framed the same way as us to have that kind of, this is what's going on in sectors and trends that are happening in sectors. And like incorporating, I've heard this, this is a theme, by the way, across all the brand interviews that I've done. It's just no longer the case that you can go forward with a primary piece of research. You've got to be able to triangulate that against, if it's going to find purchase in the organization, against behavioral data or some other secondary data sources uh, just to, again, set the context and help aid in the overall storytelling and narrative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, we, we've we been working hard on that. In, you know, Insights have been strong in that as well, but not necessarily plugging it in quite exactly the same way. So that's an exciting two different, you know, ways for us to do it. They've been very good on almost the sort of slightly, you know, academic side of brand and brand development, whereas we've not been quite as strong on that. So there's some really nice consultative pieces that are beginning to come together on um, on sort of um, projects that we're doing now to sort of bring the organizations together. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. It's a big deal. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, um, we did a, a management buyout as a, as a leadership team back in 2017. And, you know, the, to some extent, we, we didn't know where that was going to go. We were, we were fortunately to, fortunate to do a deal with our original founders that, that, that we managed to make happen. Um, didn't necessarily think this would happen as quickly as it, as it has, but it's, there's, a, there's a real right time feeling about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting is that, you know, you kind of like canvas. I, obviously, I've been a heavily involved in M&A over the last five years in the space with Decipher to Focus Vision and Focus Vision doing the acquisitions that it did, primarily under Eric Grogache's leadership. 
And, you know, kind of framing that out now where the market is, it's become much, I mean, there's always been acquisitions, like that's always been part of the ecosystem, but it feels like the roll-up acquisition and the combining of forces is becoming, uh, in a lot of ways, a strategic advantage for companies uh, uniquely creating moats and filling out capabilities. And I mean, it's, we're seeing a lot more of it now than we did even three years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we we obviously, you know, we all do, don't we? We all keep an eye on the market, and especially within our own regions about yeah. kind of acquisitions that are going on. And you know, there's, as you say, there's been a really, um, there's been a, a number of sort of changes to the dynamic of that. Whether it be sort of obviously trends of, you know, we had trends very much in in the UK and around sort of marketing services companies buying uh, research agencies and and research tech agencies. Uh, and then it moves to things like more like the management consultants buying and also yeah. and also situations now where we're seeing things like big data companies who are maybe taking on agencies, yep. uh, research agencies or research tech agencies as well. So there's been a real sort of, you could see the trends ebbing and flowing on that. Um, I mean, I guess it's bizarre, not bizarre, but I guess it's, 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 it's slightly telling that we've got together <laughs> with like-minded people that we've known for a long time rather than, rather than going to bed with them with any of those kind of scenarios. I mean, who knows, who knows what will happen further down the line, but I think the coming together of out-and-out agencies that look similar is quite rare. So then when those kind of opportunities come up, I guess if you can get them to slot together, it is something that, you know, you're going to look at, you know? Yeah. So now post-acquisition, right? You guys have gotten a lot of press. I mean, a lot of press. What are you guys offering? I know it's a breadth of things. I want you to like really kind of focus in on one offering. What is the thing that you're offering that's getting some purchase right now and, and some material lift inside the industry? I feel the we were, we were getting some really good movement on the aspects around the kind of listen and observe and moving it away from ask. Uh, and I think insights have been doing the same. So things like the sort of digital ethnography, more immersive stuff, and can, trying to combine that with things like uh, social listening and trend analysis, uh, secondary data has been quite key. I think um, we were talking offline before we started about innovation. You know, you know, everyone's desperate to innovate. You know, all the big brands are, are looking at innovation opportunities because that's there's so much disruption going on from smaller organizations that they feel that they need to be part of it. Um, and the big brands don't necessarily, big global brands have found it hard to play in that space. And that's why it's interesting that they often end up just buying the startups. But, right. uh, you know, but I think that they're all beginning to sort of feel like we need to get our acts together around innovation processes. I've just been, uh, had lunch with a big FM, big, big FMCG player about how they've had to reappraise their, their innovation um, milestones and, 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 uh, and aspects of the, how they reframe the whole research process on innovation. Um, disappointingly, we've not been involved, but we just missed out on it. But it's very interesting to hear. We're playing the long game here. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting here to, uh, I think, this is where consumer immersion, understanding people um, aspect is a phraseology that both sides of our, you know, our, our joint organization is very intrigued by. And it, to me, that's trying to, in terms of the three-legged stool that you talked about, is, is kind of just trying to keep remembering that don't just do the two leg because you'll fall down, you know. <laughs> that's right. You need to pay attention to all Yeah, things. you know, because I think, Agile, speed, 
price, agile speed price. Well, you look, you can throw a hundred ideas against the wall, but if you don't spend enough time working out the quality aspects of it, it's just not going to work. And I think we've got to be careful about going too quick. You know, I totally agree. Quality is one of the legs. And at the end of the day, we are the rudder of action inside of the organizations that, you know, making in some cases, hundred million dollar or billion dollar decisions on market research data. So, you know, we really need to be thoughtful from a tool empowerment perspective and consultative perspective that to ensure that, you know, methodologically, like that rigor is really important. I mean, I've had a bit of a, this is, a, this is probably a bit of a British phrase, be in my bonnet. You know, I've, I've, I've had, a thing, I've had, a, I've had a, um, a thing of for many years around how I felt the future of market research and interacting in consumer research and understanding consumers has you know, we've kind of let ourselves down in many respects in terms of how we have that interaction uh, with consumers, you know, length of surveys, all that stuff, yeah. you know, you're just kind of wrong. And I think it's got to be back on the consumer's terms. And I think you know, to go back to your original question, what, what's, give me a couple of examples. I think some, there's some really interesting things that, that are already the joint organization around sampling, uh, which I think is interesting. You know, at the end of the day, some consumers are, you know, I think it's Forrester's work, which says 90% are good validation uh, people to speak to in research, 9% are good curation people, and 1% are creative. Now, the Insight Consulting Group bought ICA, the creative panel company, which I'm, I'm sure you'll be aware of and others out there will have heard of. Fascinating to have such a creative panel out there to go to for co-creation uh, in that space, and I think that's exciting. Um Insights have been doing great work with employees and stakeholders. I think who employees and stakeholders at big brand organizations can play a big part in the curation part. They know both sides of the fence, if you like, you know, rather than just us getting caught in big samples of, of the validators that aren't going to get you anywhere necessarily. They play a role, of course they do. But I think this aspect around sampling and getting the right people to interact with you in the right way at the right time is, a, is something that uh, I'm excited by what we're, what we're thinking about here. That's really interesting. I completely agree with the point of view that we need to start at the fundamental level of respondent quality, make sure that we are getting the right, you know, one real people, and then secondarily, or maybe additionally, primarily, the right sample frames lined up. What do you see as the biggest issue that is facing today's market researchers? I always think this is a fascinating question, but I think we need to keep challenging ourselves around the combination of the right tools with the right people and being open-minded, I think, to look, there's a, you mentioned rigor before. I'm a big fan of a lot of what's been sort of cornerstone of our industry but i'm also at the same time the other side of that coin is there's been excuse the french there's been a lot of shit done for <laughs> like, you know and an interesting area for example is you know the to what extent are we truly understanding the threat from things like big data and social media analysis etc we've got to work out how we're playing in that space uh, and how we're helping you know how we're part of that landscape yeah, I mean, give you like a, a real some real data here. You know, you've got according to SMR, you've got fairly flat growth inside of the global market research spend over the last few years. Meanwhile, customer experience, which some people would argue is inside of market research, uh, or should, should sit inside of market research, 
and we all know it doesn't now. Uh, it is projected to be a $23 billion space in 2023, growing at a 23% CAGR, which is freaking insane. So like when you think about, you know, and you look at the types of research that are being done. In fact, I'm participating in, I have a, I'm fortunate enough to be a member of a user experience research Google group in the Bay Area. That Google group recently created a list of about 100 terms that are used inside of I'll call it research, customer experience, user experience, and market research. And they're trying to define that and then also identify which pieces fit into which disciplines. So it's just fascinating to me that the one big piece of differentiation is the nomenclature inside of those three disciplines. But the actual execution or the work that is being done is, for all intents and purposes, the same type of stuff. And I, you know, and I, I'm not surprised, you know, I'm, I'm not as close to, to that stuff but i'm not surprised by that kind of commentary and i think it's about you know i don't know if we call ourselves being in the traditional market research space it's about us embracing and breaking those sort of look we were involved for a long time in user experience stuff uh usability you know research and it ended up becoming a sort of almost a slightly separate discipline yeah uh, here in uk and europe and still kind of is and as i think i think you're right i think cx has kind of kind of spun out of that to some some extent as well but it ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about understanding people and understanding why people are doing things such for a commercial outcome. Exactly. Uh, what our industry should be about. And, you know, we'll get marginalized if we're not careful. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I think if you actually look physically at how the organizations that are structured to leverage insights quickly, right, they have the insight function sitting really close to like in a physical proximity and from a hierarchy perspective as well to that insight professional, right? So product is sitting, or UX researchers sitting by product, for example, right? That's the thing where, you know, we as researchers need to make sure that we are outside of our pseudo kingdom and making sure that we are actively integrating and integrated into the decisions that are being made. Um, you know, the other, the other thing that's interesting to me from a, I think, an opportunity is that like Facebook has over 600 user experience researchers, which is a big number. And they have far less than that market researchers. Well, there's an opportunity for researchers to be mentors to this division. I think that as we see ourselves as enablers and really creating a safe framework for insights inside of the organizations, then you know, we help secure our future uh, inside of this growing space. Yeah, and I, and I think, I, mean, I haven't thought of it like that before, but I think that's an interesting way of, of seeing where the opportunities lie on the client side. We are seeing a lot of examples now of clients, that the old market research, the good parts of the old market research principles are, are beginning to decay on the client side right. and, and not be kind of there. Right. Uh, and that, that doesn't... I don't want to sound like I'm one, an old traditionalist on that, but the best parts of it, you want to be in the, in the mix. <laughs> Let's do that. I'll give, you an, I'll give you an example, actually, as well. About two years ago, we were looking to hire a research director, classic research director, to work on our communities, classic market research, lots of sort of validation -y kind of work, a bit of immersive work, blah, blah, blah. And I met, this, uh, I met a woman who had been working in social media listening, but was a traditional researcher by trade. But she'd been in that space for a couple of years. And um, the organization that she was working for, she didn't know where, where her role was going next. So she thought she better look back to her, sort of to her past. And I was 
talking to her, I was really intrigued by her passion around social, what we now term sort of social intelligence, because what she had done in her role in this kind of quite boutique company was actually bring the principles of market research to social media listening, mm. which I hadn't seen much I hadn't seen much of and I hadn't seen done very effectively and had discount, personally had a little bit discounted social media listening as part of the mix of an agency like, like mine, like ours. Spent more time with her, saw the work that she was doing and went, this is fascinating. When you link it back to the issues I've talked about before about sampling and whether you're getting the right data in, how you're making that sort of join up as part of your, list, your, your sort of understanding of consumers – We've really integrated it into Join the Dots, excited by having it in Join the Dots Insights Consulting as well, because I think it's a really interesting new area. And I call it a new area. It's been going on for ages, scraping, uh, text analytics, sorting, but doing that with a big qual head and some qualitative principles of understanding uh, around analysis and some kind of neat methodologies around analysis from our kind of part, you know, what we, some, a lot of people would call our past, if you like, is, is bringing some really interesting results. Now, we're not doing it in isolation necessarily. We're then moving it on to kind of consumer dialogue and getting consumers to work with some of the findings and vice versa. So joining the dots on the kind of things that are going on there. But I think that's an example of how our industry, I saw loads and loads of social media analysis conference papers. We scraped, we text and we did text analytics. Yeah. And and it said 24% of people don't chew gum in Seattle. Well, well right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the application well, of that. Well, well, well done, well done, you. Yeah, but yeah. where's the insight in that? Right. You know, um, so bringing back some of our principles and trying to layer them in in clever, clever ways with the technological data collection aspects. You know, and I, I understand the people that have run those social media scraping companies. The best way for them to make money is on the tech, and the best way for them to make money is, is to get the analytics out and to get data to, to big organisations. I get that, uh, but if you want to be a consultant do something else with it slightly. And yeah, I think the application of the insight, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think there's some interesting things going on in that space. So the big you asked the question you asked is what's the biggest issue facing? The biggest issue facing is us not adapting with our old principles in the right way. But that's also the biggest opportunity as well. And it's it's two sides of the same coin. All right. Last question. What is your personal motto? If it looks wrong, it is wrong. that is a a kind of a nice start point i I think i do like that one as a kind of a kind of thinking about it from kind of an analysis perspective when i still get involved in analyzing client stuff um the other one i kind of really really like is the i guess i don't know if it's a motto but i guess the one is around this i'm a big believer in qual and ethnographic work and it's bizarre that I was brought up on ad tracking quant, but market research started by observing in that was where it starts with, you know, anthropological stuff and all that kind of thing. And uh, let's understand people. Let's watch them. Let's, let's see what they're doing. You know, let's make that a big part of what we're up to because if we don't have a window to people's lives, we're not giving true cons- consultation to our clients. Uh, I don't believe that's the nature of the sort of agency I want to be involved in and um, wants to be involved. In. So I'm not quite sure it's a motto, but it, I guess it's a kind of a belief, you know, is uh, perfect way to go out. Yeah. Um, if someone wants to get in contact with you, how would they do that? Uh, I guess they would uh, email me or look me up on LinkedIn. So it's Graham G R A E M E 
uh, Lawrence at jointhe.mr.com uh, or just yeah look me up on LinkedIn reach out um, maybe leave a message to say you've heard this uh, happy to say anything I would have been saying is a load of nonsense uh, <laughs> love, love that so I don't unfortunately I don't think you've said anything that's particularly like contrarian that would have been actually a lot of fun we're all fairly like-minded. I, I do think as I frame out this episode in my head right now, I, I continue to see one of this last points that we've been discussing of like the growing change inside of the insights function cross Venn diagram of UX or whatever, right? That could be something really interesting for people to get your perspective on as you've dealt with many of the largest brands in the world. So um, we'll of course do, I'll do my best to create that sort of conversation on LinkedIn. My guest today has been Graham Lawrence, Chief Client Officer at Join the Dots. Thank you, Graham, very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Everyone else, if you found value in this episode, please take the time to screenshot, share it on social media. It means the world to me, our audience. We've now exceeded 50,000 downloads. I really appreciate the ongoing support that we get as we post these episodes the only way that people find it is either through social media, obviously water cooler, as well as your five-star ratings on whatever platform you're using. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This episode is sponsored by G3 Translate. The G3 Translate team offers unparalleled expertise in foreign language translations for market researchers and insight professionals across the globe. Not only do they speak hundreds of languages, they are fluent in probably the most difficult one, market research. For more information, please visit them at g3translate.com.